Hey, it's Chrissy and Carrie, and we are Status, Status Macabre. I didn't have the oomph that I normally do. I know. I, I don't know what happened there. I never know if you're going to keep going or if you're just going to stop or like you're say, hey. It's always I'll a surprise. Hey. Yeah, see? Just how we like it. Always on our toes at Status Macabre. Exactly. There's <laughs> no other way to live. So it's been a... I, I felt like last week flew by. For it me. Did. It did. For me. All of a sudden it was Thursday and I was like, holy shit. I don't know what I did all week. Besides work, obviously. I worked a lot. I was going to say, I know I worked. Yeah, I think I worked and... I don't know. I packed, unpacked some more boxes yesterday. Slow goes it at the Wilson home. Slow goes it. At, at the Wilson Manor, you guys. <laughs> the McMansion. Everybody the keeps McMansion. saying the McMansion. Yeah, exactly. The McMansion. That I haven't even seen, but when she's talking about how she's unpacking, she's like, oh, I got the rooms in the West Wing completely uh, unpacked now. I never said that ever. <laughs> ever, ever. She's so full of shit. <laughs> But anyway, um, yeah, so I, 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 you can come over whenever. I just told you it's like filthy. It's not filthy. It's just I haven't gotten everything. It's, just, it's not organized. And it, un, it's, un, it's not unpacked yet. It's, a, it's kind of a chaotic, chaotic mess. I did do the office and the dining room yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we got half of a couch because the other half, I guess they're building. I don't, I don't understand. But oh, they did the same thing to Charles. I think they sent him a partial. It's like bullshit. Yeah. Anyway, but once he got the first piece, yeah, I don't think it was long after until he got the second. Oh, they told us November. Oh. And I, I just want to say, people need to get off their lazy asses and go to work. So if you're sitting at home, yeah, some doing nothing, Duh. and I don't mean like you know. A job is like if you're a mother of of children, that's a job. I mean, if you're doing nothing and but collecting unemployment because you just don't want to get a job, I I may come after you because you may be the person that's supposed to build okay, my that furniture. That is Chrissy. Do not come hashtag at Carrie. <laughs> I'm. I know probably people are going to send nasty emails. I don't care. People need to work. Is dry. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Red ridiculous. I concur. Anyway, so I'm off my soapbox now. Are you sure? Just piss me off. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a little upsetting. I went to look for some new furniture. Yeah. I'm redoing different rooms. And um, they, at the guy at Ashley had said, uh, yeah, we this is all we have. And the things that I saw online, as soon as it goes up and there's a quantity that can be purchased, mm-hmm. it's immediately... <laughs> It's, it's to, somebody's taking purchased. it. There was I know. This one piece that I probably would have bought. Yeah. Um, but a sight unseen, so to say, right? So to yeah. speak. But it was completely out of stock. And the guy, the guy's like, it'll be like six months. That before. was the leather furniture, right? Mm-hmm. It's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! And I will all the, kill and everyone. the stuff they have now is. It's shit. Stupid. It's got to be <laughs> shit that nobody wanted from 10 years ago. I mean, who wants to sit on a square little oh, hard... Oh, I know. It's like the Swedish couch that's like, I don't know. And the back you're in just a comes interrogation to the, like, the bottom third of your spine. spine. You're going to flip right off of that. You know what? Do us all a favor if that's the type of furniture you like. I know. Just quit. They need to quit making that shit. Just like they need to quit making bulldogs. 
Go by, go by. Bulldogs? Dude, I've decided no more bulldogs. Oh, yeah, because, yeah. They can't breathe. They she's can't now. They clean themselves. She, oh, nope. <laughs> she's, got a, she's got a cataract now, and she can't see out of one. She's young. How old is she? I don't know. Four? Old enough. Five? Yeah, I don't know. My bulldog is probably four or five. Yeah, yeah. She's just. Poor thing. She was adorable when she was a puppy. Yes, she was. And then she turned into a big now, fat bulldog. She's like a slob. That oh god, she's so nasty. And she sits in Catherine's room and Catherine's room now smells like dog. Because she's just doggy. Now, you know what? I feel like we need to clarify. We are we are animal lovers. Oh my god, I have four dogs. So she's got four dogs, a, cat. And a couple gerbils and a cat, two I cats, and I don't know what else. She's got like a herd of everything going on over there. <laughs> I'm building Noah's Ark. But but this dog She's Ugh. a bitch, too. Yeah, she is. She's a hoe. She, she's angry. But now, isn't she Ryan's dog? Oh, yeah. I let him claim her. Yeah, I but, can't. But he's the one that wanted her, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He used to have a bulldog, and so now he was... We got him another one, and I told him never again. Never <sighs> again. They can't breathe. It's horrible. And they're, they're just health issues, and I mean... Well, there was, I was... They're the cutest puppies ever. Yeah. But. I had a friend in, about 20 years ago who had one, and she, I forgot his name. I forgot his name, right? But it was a great dog. It was, of course, we were always drinking and watching football when we were... Right, yeah. Everybody loved it. So Oh, yeah, because the all they do remember. is lay there, yeah. but they snore, they the, fart. They fart, so, yeah. If that's oh. all you remember is your college heyday from, you know, having a, a bulldog and that being just the coolest chill dog ever because you're all drunk on a couch watching a Fucked game. Fucked up, exactly. Probably not the dog you Probably not a good... Right, exactly. Probably, you know, grown up and sober, whoever you are, doesn't know what that dog is like. Oh, it's awful. I She doesn't sleep with me. I can't let her sleep in the bedroom because she'll keep me up. So she sleeps. She, yeah. She has her own crate in her own bedroom. Snores, yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. You can hear it through the fucking walls. I, I would... I would never have one of those dogs only because of how they can't... They can't breathe? ...clean themselves. Yeah. And I... Makes me feel not sad. not doing it. Yeah. You know, I did it. I will if I have to, but I don't want to put myself in a situation where I have to. That's fair. And that's but why... But I did not know that mm-hmm. about those dogs until recently. Oh, God, they're the worst. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, this week's lesson, don't get a bulldog. And go to work. And go to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, going to be blocked. <laughs> business, business. We are going um, on our crime cruise in, in eleven days. In eleven days. And yeah, I, I, I honestly am surprised they haven't canceled that damn thing yet. I, I know. I, I keep every time I see an email, I'm like, oh, oh here it goes. This. Yep. But nope. But I, it is on full force. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yep. I can't wait. We're gonna have fun. We have drink cards, which is even awesomer. Wow. And we, we um we aren't gonna have any access to like internet or whatever. Well, that's the one thing we we do need to talk about here. Yeah. So there's gonna be um we need to just you know that week we're not gonna be recording until because yeah. we don't even get back here until Monday. Correct. So it you know midweek maybe I'm not committing to the very next day to record. Oh yeah, that's not gonna happen, guys. No, no. So we'll keep you updated. But we will keep you update updated when we um. And then we'll post pictures, obviously, when we get back, because we'll take lots of, of photos. But um, it's going to be a blast, and I'm excited. I'm excited, too. So right? if you're one of the ones that are going, 
Come look for us. Yes, please do. Yeah, so much fun. Yep. So this week's episode is um, I found it very important to talk about because while this person really did some horrible shit, um, it was in her own head. Um, She had a very serious mental issue. And I know that mental issues are often overlooked, especially in the case when it comes to postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis. Um, A lot of men will step up and say, you know, suck it up. It's fine. You're just depressed. And it it really is a serious issue. And I think it's overlooked. And um, we need to keep a better eye on that. We need to watch our women more. Uh, and and really be more of a supportive, um, more supportive spouses, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever you have. So um, with that said, we'll start um, this week. We are going to talk about Andrea Yates. Um, Andrea. I went to school. Pia that's Yates. Why, that's why the name is. I went to school with an Andrea Yates. Oh, did you? Clearly not the same oh, one. Okay. Right. But. When I was looking over this earlier, I was like, why does that sound? And when you said it, I'm like, that's what it is. Because oh, okay. I was saying the whole name. Well, she she drowned five of her kids in in a bathtub. Um, and so we're going to talk about her, what led up to that, and just the reaction from her husband. Um, there's a whole kind of uh, list of things that I feel like uh, caused her to behave the way that she did. And um, so we're going to dive into that. So um, Andrea Pia Yates, or Kennedy Yates, I apologize, Um, her full name, um, her maiden name is Kennedy. Um, She was born on July 2nd, 1964 in Hartsville, Texas to Judah Karen Kohler. Now, what's your maiden name? I know, isn't that crazy? My maiden name (laughs) is Kohler, K-O-E-H-L-E-R. the exact same way. Same way. I know, I almost called my mom up and been like, mom. Because go she, to ancestry. She did, yeah. So she does our family tree on the Kohler side. So I'm curious, you know, yeah, how that worked. But she say you hadn't called her yet. I hadn't called her right, yet. We're gonna put that on the to do list. Yep. So, um, so her mother was German immigrant, and Andrew Yemet, Yemet. I said Yemet. Emmett. Emmett. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. There's I'm not, not even, even drinking. In here. Yeah, no, we're not even drinking. <laughs> no, Emmett. I don't. Why did I say Yemet? I don't know, but it was. I looked at you like. Did she, she mean that? No. What is? What's happening? <laughs> what has happened? All right, it's Emmett. Emmett Kennedy. Especially when I saw Irish immigrants, I'm like, yeah, it's not Yemet. <laughs> I know. It's like five minutes into the real story. Good lord, people, turn it off now. All right, Andrew <laughs> Emmett Kennedy. And, uh, yeah, his parents were Irish immigrants. And so she is the youngest of five children herself. She had a really good childhood, um, although it was said her mother was tough and sometimes critical. Um, but nevertheless, Shocker, her family... Are, mothers are. <laughs> exactly. Nevertheless, the family was close, and they were raised Catholic, which we'll play into some stuff later. So Andrea attended Milby High School and graduated in 1982, was valedictorian of her class as well. So she was a smart cookie. She was also captain of the swim team and historian of the National Honor Society. I never was on the National Honor Society. My mother wasn't. She made this big deal out of it. You'll never get on. I'm like, I don't even know what the hell that is, Mom. 
Yeah, um, I wasn't on any society. Yeah, me either. I was a I was shit. School, I was like, let me just get the hell out of here. I was the worst. <laughs> anyway, so she was always wanting to help people. She helped a lot of the elderly people in her community in highly regard and was highly regarded in school. Despite her achievements in school, Andrea suffered from bulimia in high school as well as depression. So it kind of makes you think a little bit or about her character. And, and you know, a lot of people have bulimia or tend mm-hmm. to be um, somewhat of perfectionism, you know, perfectionists um, and need something to control in their life. Yeah. And she even spoke to a friend about suicide when she was 17. So starting to see a little bit of depression poke out mm-hmm. um, in her life. Andrea went on a complete um, scholarship to a two-year pre-nursing program at the University of Houston and then graduated from the University of Texas Health Science Center at Houston. Uh, Russell Yates, and they called him Rusty, um, is her husband, and he was born on September 6, 1964 in Tennessee. He had a very normal upbringing. He and his brother um, had very supportive parents, and he was very well-respected in high school and ended up at the University of Auburn in Alabama in the early 80s. So I don't know a whole lot about him, although, you know, after this case, his name was, like, flashed all over the TV screen. So um, there's not a whole lot I could find about his upbringing. So it was while at Auburn University that Rusty meets a man by the name of Michael Warrenecki. Now, I thought you were going to screw that up. Oh, no. You probably practiced that. I practiced that a million times. (laughs) Well, Warrenecki was a campus preacher whose evangelical teachings changed Rusty's world forever. His beliefs were extremely rigid. He felt that women should be subservient to men. And most of the world was filled with evil, including organized religion. Um, He felt that it was evil and it was diluted uh, God's message over time. So he was very, I guess, what um, like you'd go to these campuses and and he was very uh, charismatic. Mm -hmm screaming and yelling about how, you know, everything was evil. You shouldn't trust the world. You shouldn't trust anyone but yourself. And, you know, you need to um, figure out your righteous path as quickly as possible or you're going to go to hell. Um, But Rusty, who had grown up in a Methodist church, was intrigued by this Warnecki. And they struck up a friendship and um, had regular correspondence. So, it was in the summer of 1989 that Rusty met Andrea. Uh, She was in the apartment's pool that they lived at in Houston, Texas. And she was laying on her back in the water, outstretched, with her toes against the tile on the side of the pool. And Rusty saw her and thought she was beautiful. And he spoke to her. And she didn't respond at all. She just kind of ignored him. So, he was like, "Uh, all right, well... You know, I I think she might be a little bit out of my league. Well, Andrea later uh, knocks on Rusty's door, and this was maybe a week later, um, saying that someone dinged her car in the parking lot and asked if, you know, he might know anything about it. Well, Rusty could hardly believe that she had come to his door and told his friend how lucky he was to have come, you know, her to have come over. And it was then that they began a relationship. And they shortly 
after they moved in together. So it was kind of quick. It's around this time that Rusty finally introduced Andrea to Warnecki, um, which I think he's going to later regret. But Warnecki was an interesting person, to say the least. He attended the Central Michigan University and played football and studied psychology. It was at CMU that he met his wife, Leslie Jean Ochleck, who later changed her name to Rachel Rebecca. I don't know why. And the only thing I can think is maybe because of the Bible of some sort, but you know, some something linked in the Bible. I don't I don't know. But they got married in 1979. They had a very um subservient marriage where Rachel told Andrea that she was the helper to her husband. God had created woman to help man. This does not mean a wife. It means a servant, single or married. And that's a quote. Yeah. I don't really understand that. that. Um, That was, I think, Rachel's thought process. And that's how she felt, um, you know, men. Sounds like she was brainwashed to me. Well, well, what's very interesting about this whole thing and, um, is that Les? Or I'm sorry. Well, Leslie, we'll call her Leslie, Re- Rachel, Rebecca, whatever you want to call her. She was a um, cheerleader, and when she met Warnecki, and he played football, which I and what I and they were you know kind of like that Ken and Barbie couple, and then for whatever reason they Things changed. changed. And now she's changing her fucking name, and he's screaming at people on campus. I, it's very, it's very odd. And yeah, to say brainwashed is to me a, a very good term, I guess, because who goes from going to college, being independent, to going, okay, yep, nope, um, I need to serve my husband now. I I got nothing. Yeah. So. So Andrea, at this time, um, was working as an RN at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center while Rusty was working at NASA. And he was an engineer and um, project manager. So on April 17, 1993, Rusty and Andrea tied the knot. They announced to their family that they would have as many babies as nature allowed and bought a house in Texas. So, and, and when I think about that, I'm thinking about that damn show, you know, who were the, 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 damn it. They had like 85 fucking kids. 20 something. Yeah. And then, and the son is now in jail for molesting uh, molesting or pornography or something. All that good stuff. Yeah. And her, yeah, I, I got, there's always, you know, at some point there's like a bad apple in those giant families. (laughs) You had a hurt kids. Well, soon after they married, so this is within two months, Andrea became pregnant with her first son, Noah. Andrea continued her job at the hospital until Noah was born on February 26, 1994. She then announced she was going to become a stay-at-home mom. Little did anyone know, but Andrea was having visions of a knife and there was a voice saying, quote, get a knife, get a knife, end quote. She had a, a vision of a person being stabbed. And she had these very frequently after the birth of Noah. But she, you know, she would write these down in her journal. But she said that she was okay. Like, 
it lasted for a little bit and then she kind of got over it. And so she didn't think anything of it other than it was weird. She didn't know why she was having these feelings, but then they kind of dissipated over time. So she didn't do anything about them, meaning, you know, she didn't go talk to a psychiatrist or anything. Or talk to the doctor. I mean, I guess you wouldn't, right? If it's just like, just a fleeting thought. Yeah, but I mean, I guess if you have it repeatedly, I would be like, okay, is this normal? But then again, would I know to ask myself if that was normal? Because, you know, it's, I'm kind of out of my mind at that point. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what is frequently? Well, I mean, I would think if you're, if you've got these thoughts, at least couple times a day yeah you know every other day once a month i mean yeah i mean i I think about that once a month now yeah exactly i'm gonna kill everyone and i say it on a daily basis so what what is frequently but i guess it would have to be multiple times a day or a week at least well and i i I, we don't know how real they were to her Mm. you know what i mean because it's one thing to sit there and go Okay, don't think about a knife, and then that's all you're thinking about is a knife. (laughs) Versus you're picturing it, you're seeing someone being stabbed. You know, it's like maybe it's real, really real to her. Well, anyway, um, when Rusty's job required a six-month stint in Tampa, Florida, the family rented out their home that they had bought in Texas, put their things in storage, and Andrea Noah accompanied him uh, living in a trailer home. So they had like this, you know, little... And I'm not saying like mobile home. Yeah. I'm talking like a real trailer in the back of your truck. Um, So for months, they rented a spot at Lazy Days RV Campground in Hitchcock, Texas. Um, And this was after... Um, you know, they're going back and forth, I guess, to Florida. Well, Andrea's family was really not happy about their daughter, you know, living in a trailer park. Um, they felt she had deserved better. And she, it was in the spring of 1989 that the Yateses learned that the Warrenekis wanted to sell their 350 square foot customized GMC motorhome to replace it with a sailboat. So they're trying to sell this basically a Greyhound. So the Yateses went to Miami to check out the bus and they eventually purchased it and drove it home. So, and when I say home, I'm talking about the trailer park. Yeah. You know, they're living in this fucking, can you imagine living in a damn Greyhound? No. I mean, 350 square feet. That's. Nope. I cannot. No, it's ridiculous. Well, in a letter to Andrea, Rachel Warnecke wrote, quote, the window of opportunity that God has opened up for you at this time through us will only stay open for a certain time. If you allow Satan to come in and steal the understanding, the, the consequences will be tragic. The scene sown, seed sown on the path is the one who hears the words of the kingdom without understanding it, and the evil one comes and steals away what was sown in his heart, end quote. That's fucked up. First of all, who writes letters like that? Secondly, why? If you're friends with these people, why are you... I would go and punch him in the fucking face. If I if, if there was a letter like this addressed to me from somebody I knew, Dear Carrie. I would punch them in the face. What the fuck is wrong with you? I, I don't know. Well, and it's not like that. And but I if, would record it. If you're friends, why are you saying that, you know, you're, 
ability to connect with God through us. Because this is a threat. He's threatening her. It's her. It, but That's it's how. the Rachel lady. It's the woman. But yeah, she's, it, it is. It's like trying to scare I'm the taking bejesus out of that's her. why I'm saying I would punch somebody in the fucking face if they said that to me. She should have. Like, oh, that's your move? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Next. Well, at this point, Andrea and Rusty had three boys with one on the way. So we're living in this damn bus with three effing boys. Three boys. You have two. I've got two. Everybody that's got a boy knows, okay. You can't keep three boys in a Greyhound trailer. I just, I don't, I mean, unless you beat them every five minutes. I, I, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, in 1995, John was born. 1997, Paul was born. And in 1999, Luke was on the way. So that's the, the third, I'm sorry, the fourth boy. So we had Noah, John, Paul, and then Luke. Once Luke was born, Andrea wrote to Rachel again, announcing his birth. Rachel wrote back saying that she needed to do whatever she had to do right now before she became too overwhelmed by things referring, you know, this is referring back to her salvation with Jesus through them. Um, Andrea then began reading the Bible with renewed intensity after this correspondence. So she's had Luke. She's clearly freaking out a little bit after this birth and starts running through the Bible at like a a crazy jackrabbit pace. Well, as a new mother, Andrea was getting very little sleep and breastfeeding Luke every few, few hours. And on June 16th, 1999, Andrea calls Rusty at work crying, asking him to come home. Rusty goes home. He finds her in the back room of the bus, bent over, shaking her legs. And she told her husband that she needed help. So she's she's losing it. Rusty then drove Andrea to her mother's house. Because rather than go to the hospital, let's go to your mom's. But whatever. It was while there, Andrea attempted suicide by taking a bottle of her father's medicine, which was some trazodone, which is a very strong sedative. He he had Alzheimer's. And so I guess she thought, you know, taking a bottle of this would kill her. Well, the amount she took should have killed her. Um, but her mother found her in time and an ambulance rushed her over to the ER. There they gave her liquefied charcoal to soak up all the toxin. Um, and she began sta- she became stable, but you know, she had taken enough to yeah, clearly, I guess, be rushed to the hospital. I can't imagine. I, I'm, I, whew. anyway, well, Andrea at the time had lost 10 pounds in less than three weeks had horrible eye contact, poor concentration, low energy, and fatigue. She was diagnosed with major depression, and at, and she was at high risk for suicide, self-harm. She was prescribed Ativan for sleep. And Andrea was really just in the midst of a full nervous breakdown by the time she had reached yeah. the hospital. Rusty was in no way capable of handling the situation of on his own and attended joint counseling sessions with Andrea and a social worker. In her notes, the social worker indicated that Andrea was unwilling and unable to identify any recent life stressors. So anything that would have caused her to just 
lose her mind like that. I mean, outside of having outside of her life, three, yeah. Three kids with a baby in a damn greyhound. I mean, that would have been my life stress right there. She also stated that Rusty was aware and accepting of her disease, but preferred it be classified as postpartum depression rather than major depression. But if we go back and we think about her life, She's at 17 already talked to somebody about suicide. Right. She had some depression going on there. So while this may be classified as postpartum depression, I think she's been depressed her almost her whole life. Yeah. And so it does it I mean it doesn't take a rocket scientist that would be able to say okay, she could be classified as major depressive. Um the fact that he didn't like that term is, you know, in my opinion just says he's a flipping idiot, but um, but anyway, so he saw, he told the counselor that he saw his marriage as close with four beautiful children. Uh, he felt that his wife had lost her identity and her energy was just focused on the children. And we can see that if you're at home with three kids and a baby, how do you have time to focus on anything else? You don't. The whole time Andrea, you know, it was there, she was catatonic and at loss of voluntary movement, which yeah, is... She's done, done. I mean, I it's... I mean, this really should be the end of the story. <laughs> you think. It, unfortunately, it was not and is not. But um, it was obvious that Andrea was in a serious mental situation, and the social worker was concerned for everyone's safety. She reached out to Houston's Child Protective Services Abuse and Neglect Hotline in June, reporting the family's unusual living arrangements, which were you know, in a converted Greyhound bus and complained that the husband, Rusty, allowed his three-and-a-half-year-old to play with a power drill. <laughs> now, I don't know that I would worry about him playing with a power drill, but, um, you know, if you're around, but living in the bus, absolutely. Yeah. Seven days after the complaint, the CPS supervisor wrote the social worker back thanking her for her concern, but there didn't seem to be a neglect or child abuse issue and told her to direct her concerns to the police, which I don't that know how that's like a jump. Yeah. Well, not only that, but how does that solve anything? The police are just going to go back to social work and then go back through that avenue. I just don't see how that would have helped anybody. They probably are used to, I mean, they're... The abuse in this house, right? Mm-hmm. They're probably used to major, like different, a different sure. type of abuse. But sure. still, they need to update something. Well, you'd think that they would do some kind of welfare checker, you know, something. Well, she was later discharged on June 20th, 1999. And that was only because her insurance ran out after seven days. Mm. So you have this woman in a catatonic state. She left extremely depressed and, you know, the hospital's like, get the fuck out. Um, I'm sorry, you can't pay, so therefore we're not treating you. That I is thought, a major fucking a, issue. I thought that was a law. Life-threatening? Could this not be considered as life-threatening to somebody? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. And it's a good I mean, question. that's how it ended up, clearly, but they may not have seen it like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about this, though. Had she been kept in the hospital, maybe she would have been, and, and we'll see as the story unfolds, you know, she may, would have made different life choices. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Had she been able to stay longer. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm yeah. like. I feel like, I don't know, it could be a law. 
lawsuit here. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, now before she left, she did admit that she no longer wanted to commit suicide, but was still, she was almost mutant, you know, like I said, zombie, zombie-like. It was three weeks later on July 21st, 1999, that she stood in the bathroom of her parents' home with a knife to her neck, begging Rusty to let her slice her throat. So clearly that seven days in the hospital was not help, you know, didn't help much. Rusty then had her committed to the Memorial Spring Shadows Glen Hospital. She was again almost mute, aside from the ramblings that her older children may not, you know, may be eating too much. Um, she had been prescribed Zoloft, which she was taking inconsistently, which, if I mean, I think everybody knows yeah. if you don't take those, um, you know, antidepressant pills on a consistent basis, because it takes a while to build up in your system, it's not going to help. Um, she was also given uh, Zyprexa, uh, which was an anti, which is an antipsychotic drug. Um, but she ended up flushing those down the toilet once she realized what the drug was for. And I think from her perspective, taking any kind of medication like that was a no-no. Like, she didn't want to be on any kind of medication. I don't know if that was from a religious standpoint. I don't know if that was a, you know, mentality standpoint. I don't know what that thought process was to say, I'm, you know, I just refuse to take this medication. But I know a lot of people are like that. A lot of sick people are like that, for that matter. Um, but without drugs, Andrea was going to struggle. She had obsessive thoughts over how the children were going to turn out. She was nervous about trying to train them right. And she was worried she was going to fail. Again, that perfectionism, you know, poking out. She was diagnosed again this time with postpartum psychosis or PPP. Now, PPP affects about 1 in 1,000 mothers, as it is considered a medical emergency. So, you know, that kind of answers your question about you mm-hmm. think it would be a medical emergency. Um, and it endangers both the mother and the child's life because this nobody knows if she's going to hurt the baby or hurt herself or yeah. both. Signs and symptoms. So there's different levels, right, for postpartum. So we have what's called the baby blues. And signs and symptoms of the baby blues usually last only a week or two after the baby is born and include mood swings, anxiety, sadness, irritability, feeling overwhelmed, crying, and trouble sleeping. And I think we've all kind of had that to some degree, you know, after having a baby. And hell, I mean, I wouldn't think you're normal if you didn't. I mean, you got screaming kids, a baby, who knows, you got changed diaper after diaper. I'd probably have the baby blues as well. Um, Now, postpartum depression is a lot more serious and can even begin sometimes during pregnancy and up to a year after a baby is born. You know, I can say I had postpartum depression after my second son, Um, and it wasn't fun. It was, you know, uh, typical symptoms include feelings that interfere with a mother's ability to care for their baby um, and handle everyday tasks. Symptoms range from excessive crying, difficulty bonding with the baby, feelings of hopelessness, shame, guilt, or inadequacy, um, to thoughts of harming yourself or your baby, and reoccurrent thoughts of death or suicide. And I can't say that I had all that spectrum of feelings, but I can tell you some of them were very severe. Right. And it it sucked, and it lasted uh, like two and a half years, um, you know, after my son was born. So it... And, it sucked. 
It really did suck. Um, postpartum psychosis, on the other hand, is much different. Um, and it's a much more dire situation. Andrea, at this point, um, was experiencing a rare condition and most likely that started, you know, within the first week after she had delivered Luke. She would have been confused, disoriented. Um, She was probably also having obsessive thoughts about Luke and other children, which, you know, she was worrying about them eating too much. Um, She would have had hallucinations, you know, the visions of the knife. Um, delusions, sleep disturbances, paranoia, and attempted to, you know, harm herself and soon her baby. Risk factors for women developing this rare disorder are usually linked to a history of depression in their lifetime. Uh, Have family members who've had depression or other mood disorders, have had multiple births back to back, and or had postpartum depression during previous pregnancies. So, you know, we know... She's probably got several of those. Yeah, well, we know she had it with Noah. She admitted to having visions of the knife, um, somebody being stabbed. So we know she had these hallucinations, delusions with Noah. Now, whether or not she had those with the, you know, additional children outside of Luke, we don't know. Um, But it sounds like it was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. It's like you've had baby, baby, baby. And right. your body, I mean, think about the hemor- um, our hormonal imbalances. We were just talking about that, <laughs> yeah. you know, before we started um, recording. And it, they're up and down on women. And you having babies like that, I, who you're wreaking havoc, wreaking havoc on, your, on your body. your body enough time to heal before you move on to the next thing. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It is. Well, several days into her second hospital stay, Andrea was offered treatment under what is called electroconvulsive therapy, but turned it down. Now, this type of therapy involved putting a patient under anesthesia and sending brief electrical stimulation to the brain. Supposedly, it is about 80 to 85% successful in most cases and will last many, many months after treatment. And so, you know, once she probably had gotten past that postpartum, you know, maybe her hormones begin to fluctuate, you know, stably, she wouldn't have, you wouldn't have had to have more of this um, therapy. But, you know, she just refused to, to accept it or take it. And we don't know why um, she didn't want to take that type of treatment. I don't know if I would necessarily want brain shocks. I would say that 80 to 85% is, is significant enough for me that I would hope I would accept that treatment. Right. Well, I mean, you know, if I was in the right mind to, well, that, thank you. But you think that her husband would be more, you know, come on, babe, we've got to get this done, you know, and more vocal I know guys just like him. It, I know guys just like them who wouldn't who love their spouses, love their wives, mm-hmm. and know they're doing something messed up, but are too too docile. You know, you've got I I have friends now who mm-hmm. the woman is a mess, right? And uh, the husband needs to. Oh yeah, this is the person I think you're talking about. Again. Yeah, yeah, and over and over again. So, and I know he loves her. I'm, sure. He's just, he's docile is the word. I'll well, use. yeah, but you become a, um, you know, what is that word I'm looking for? You know, you, you, you know, God darn it. I hate it when I do that. I have like this. Can I get an 
I know. I'm, I'm trying to get it out. You know, you're an enabler. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm so glad I could help there. <laughs> I really felt that um, I, it was I pushed you over it, the, the field just, over the Give me a minute. Line but yeah, it's like drug addicts. You know, you, yeah. you don't, you're not doing anything. You're not helping by sitting there because you're just enabling there, them. Yeah. It's yeah. anyway. So, and, and this, this whole case pisses me off because of that. But um, so as a substitute, her doctor um, by the name of Dr. Starbranch, prescribed her an injectable cocktail that included Haldol and Cognin, Cognin, Cog- Cognitin. I don't, I, I'm not really sure what that drug is, although I, I, I'll explain it to you in a minute. But Haldol is a very old drug, and apparently it blocks certain brain cell activities, primarily those involved with the neurotransmitter dopamine. So most doctors prefer using Zyprexa, which is the newer form of Haldol. But in Andrea's case, the newer form didn't work because she kept flushing the shit down the toilet. And um, because it wasn't injectable, because at least, you know, if you inject somebody, you don't have to worry about them spitting the drug out. But um, the second drug that she was prescribed, which was the Cogin, cogentin, cogentin, yeah, maybe that sounds probably better. Um, is used to help eliminate the unwanted negative effects of Haldol, like tremors, twitching, stiffened limbs, br- blurred vision. So apparently, like I said, the drug is very old and probably not prescribed often. Um, but in this case, I guess what else you got? Surprisingly, the 100 milligrams uh, prescribed to Andrea every three weeks, along with Effexor, XR, and Wellbutrin, work miracles. Within 24 hours, Rusty Yates said he felt like he had his wife back. Um, He and Andrea sat in Andrea's hospital room late into the evening, having one of the best conversations of their lives. So 19 days into the hospital stay, Andrea was again discharged to a partial hospitalization program, which she continued for 11 days, but slept at home, um, which, thank God, at this point was a real home and not a Greyhound bus. It was Andrea's mother that told Rusty she refused to allow him to take Andrea back home to a bus and told him to buy a damn house. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd let my kids go back to a Greyhound after you, if that's what you want to do, great. I'll support you. But when you've got your spouse broken down, um, no, you need to be in a house. Yes. Sorry. Well, at Andrea's first post-hospital appointment, Dr. Starbranch urged Andrea that even though she may be feeling better to continue on her medication, it was following, um, it was a following visit in August of 1999 that Andrea talked about getting off her medication as she wanted to get pregnant and have yet another baby. That star branch wrote in her in her notes will surely guarantee future psychotic depression yeah. because it it happened with Luke. It's absolutely going to happen with any subsequent baby. Yeah. And the fact that Rusty just sat along and sure thing, baby, and encouraged it. In my head, he bears responsibility. Well, he didn't do anything to stop it. I don't know. Do you think he encouraged it? I'm sorry, but unless you ain't having sex with me, unless you're on birth control or I've got a rubber on or I'm going to get fixed because you're not getting pregnant. You're not getting pregnant. I, I just see him as an extremely weak man. 
Oh, absolutely. I don't know that. I don't think that he, and yeah, I don't know that I would say that. I think I disagree with what you said is what I'm saying. You, well, I mean, why, would you not have. How how much responsibility does he bear? He's a. He got her pregnant. They, that's a don't, that's the two thing. You know, well, no, I know, he, but if I can control it and I can, you cannot get pregnant by me because I'm gonna fucking put a rubber on. Weak, weak. I think I think he would be like, well, I don't know what I did. She didn't want to have breakfast this morning. She didn't want to do this. She wanted to have sex. Like, right? He's just he, stupid a stupid man. Dude. Yeah, agreed. Just dumb. So well, it, it, yeah, I agree. He's and he a probably still will be like. Just did what she I'd, wanted me to do. Right. What did I do wrong? Ugh. How was he a project manager? How was, <laughs> was he? Did he work at NASA? Yeah. Project manager at NASA. I mean, I think about I software and I'm a raging wrong. bitch. I Can you imagine? Yeah. I don't understand how you can't be more of a bitch. I could be completely wrong. He may have been a, a complete asshole and maybe this was a plot for him. I don't know. But he what just seems like a very weak dude to me. You're weak. Well, um, yeah, so I, I, I just want, I was kind of like on a diatribe about that. I wanted, you know, you have a woman who may be of sound mind at the moment. Granted, she is, yeah, she's she's not not in her right mind. No, But maybe they both think, because I do know people who have to take these drugs, they, they start to feel better and they think they're better. Absolutely. So he could have very well been like, well, she told me that's how she felt. Just... Maybe he's just as sick as she is. Hell. Well, I just and I just don't understand why, as Rusty Yates would be compliant in saying, "Let's have another baby." Uh, yeah, I don't. That's part. That's my heartburn. That's a heartburn. No, I, 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 I get it. If I saw you were acting psycho, your friend would speak up before he would. Absolutely. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I agree. Well, and, and so... Why didn't her mother stop her for that? I mean, not stop her, but talk some sense. She couldn't stop her. Well, I mean, it's... It, <laughs> talk some Funny you should say that, because seven months... Um, within seven months, she she was pregnant. Right. And I guess I guess there's nothing medically a doctor can do about that. No, what were you going to say? I mean, it's... I don't know. And I mean, his last diagnosis was, sh- will surely guarantee future psychotic depression. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, even though you, you, you can't take a woman's right away to reproduce just because there might be a possibility of, I could get depressed again. Well, it was her friend, though, what, what I wanted to say. Um, it was her oldest friend, Debbie, mm-hmm. that she finally confided um, her feelings of being possessed um, she said Satan had either influenced her or possessed her and was ultimately the source of her previous breakdown, Ooh, during which she was unable to wear a crucifix and had horrible thoughts of hurting someone or doing something to harm the children. For Andrea, the issues were twofold. She had an issue with Satan and also an, a, you know, a hormonal imbalance. And the doctor helped the, you know, him more, um, excuse me, the imbalance, the hormonal imbalance, but she herself had to fight Satan and that's something she couldn't do. Yeah. And so her friend had said, you can't have another baby. You can't have another baby. You cannot do this. Let's please think about this because it's just going to fuck you up. And Andrea did not listen. Um, it was within seven months that Andrea once again was pregnant and she was homeschooling her eldest, Noah, at the kindergarten level and then dealing 
with three toddlers and, and she's pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. Rusty. I got nothing. Rusty would babysit one night a week to give his wife a rest from her regular duties. Now check it. Her regular duties were, you know, at home with the children, but her free time, she was spent, um, she spent it going to the grocery store running errands. Are you effing kidding me? I'm going to tell you, if I get one night a week, my ass is at the bar. <laughs> I am at the bar. All I, night long. Don't call oh, me. Don't call don't me. Don't text me. Are you dead? Oh. <laughs> Good. Okay. Then leave me the F alone because yeah. I am at the bar. And, you know, she, it's horrible. And she continued with her visits for her doctor, you know, with her doctor for a little while. But, you know, around Christmas time, she, she had just said, screw it. So, I mean, not only that, but she was fucking pregnant. I'm sure the doctor would have been like, "Are you, you're a dumb, you know, see you next Tuesday. I wonder, I wonder if, if, who's, if that was something they agreed on together, if the husband was just a dick, or, or was he just, you know, well, was, re- were they both just super... Well, remember in the beginning when they got married, they said that they were going to have as many children as nature allowed. No, I get that. I'm talking about... <clears throat> with her only getting that one night off a week. Like, was that something that, you know, they both agreed on? I'd like to have a conversation with Rusty. That's what I'd like to do. <laughs> Carry on. Rusty, can I please um, ask you a few quick questions? An anonymous letter? I have many questions, sir. Please answer. Anyway, um, it was her friend that had urged, like I said, her not to have preg- get pregnant. But on November 30th, 2000, um, Andrea gave birth to a healthy baby girl this time, whom she and Rusty named Mary. Now, she's got all children of the Bible. Yeah. Um, and she's got uh, Mary, John, Paul, Luke, and Noah. Mm-hmm. Um, but sadly though, three months after she had Mary, Andrea's father, who had been suffering from Alzheimer's, succumbed to his disease and died at the age of 84. So that, um, kind of started the downward hill, um, spiral. And it was within a week of her father's death that Andrea's mental health took a nosedive. And what originally had taken months to evolve during her first psychosis, you know, episode, now developed in a matter of days. She was now exhibiting signs of zombie-like behavior. Um, She was constantly shaking her leg rapidly up and down, picked at her scalp, which created bald bald spots, kind of can't talk, and um, scabs. Mm. So she's bleeding. Uh, She was terrified of putting Mary down and... She stopped eating, drinking, and effectively speaking. Um, She was also having hallucinations that she couldn't and wouldn't describe and slept for only about two hours a night. So if we thought the first episode was bad, this one, it was like full on wham and I am downhill immediately. Immediately. Yeah. Rusty's, you know, he's knowing what these signs look like and immediately calls um, Andrea's doctor. Well, at least he does that. He does do that. Um, He calls Dr. Um, Starbranch, I think, who recommended immediate treatment in a hospital about 45 minutes away. It was March 27th, and for Rusty (laughs) 
to, you know, with the work, five children, including the infant, um, and with his mother-in-law, who was their normal babysitter, still grieving her husband's death, found the commute nearly impossible. And so instead, he booked an office appointment for his wife on April 2nd. So we're talking, this is March 27th. Her doctor's saying, get her ass in a hospital immediately. Yeah. He waits till April 2nd. Yeah. So, yes, he called the doctor, but what the fuck? Yeah. Call the damn neighbor. Watch these kids do something. Stupid. Uh, 100%. 100%. Well, in the meantime, Rusty, he's desperately calling local psychiatrists to see if they would prescribe his wife medications over the phone. Now, give me a break. Yeah. So, yes, sure, once, buddy. once again, he's stupid. On March 30th, he ended up calling nearby Devereaux, Texas Treatment Network in League City and was av- advised that it would be best to wait until the following day to admit Andrea because the facility was not staffed to admit her that night. So they didn't have anybody that was skilled enough to deal with her situation. So I don't know that I'd be wanting to go to this hospital in the first place, but whatever. The next day, Andrea, Andrea's brother Brian and Rusty basically had to jackknife her, stiffed, it, stiffed um, you know, resistant body into the car, and they took her to Devereaux. I mean, she did not want to go, so she's, I mean. Yeah. I can't imagine. Mean, I just think of a cartoon character, like, being picked up and slid in. Um, but at the treatment center, it was reported that the doctor was never told that Andrea had a previous psychotic um, episode or that she had even taken Haldol. Andrea refused to sign a consent form to be treated and refused to be um, admitted into the hospital, even after Rusty attempted to coax her. Um, It wasn't until later in the day that the hospitals, at the hospital suggestion that a Sergeant Budrow made an application to the Galveston County Probate Court for an emergency detention of Andrea Yates. Good. Well, Andrea, for one, had completely stopped eating and was only taking in about 16 ounces of liquid per day. I can't imagine what she's, like, her mind is going through. Like, she's, she's, she's past, like, a mental, like, she's in a mental break. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Well, and it, and then I don't, we're trying to figure out what she's thinking, but it, it's probably all illogical, mm-hmm. you know, and we're being logical. So, I mean, unless we start tripping or something, I don't, I don't know that you may not understand what she was thinking. Um, and her longest sentence um, that she had told the, the doctors and the staff there was that I am not a good mother. Both her doctor and a new psychiatrist, Dr. Mohammed Saeed, um, had begun examining um, her along with another physician named uh, Patricia Cork. They both petitioned the judge of the probate court to have Andrea fully committed. Um, quote, failure to administer psychoactive mediation would result in this patient's further deterioration and possibly death. End quote. Both doctors checked the committal form boxes indicating that Yates was a danger to herself and that she was unable to make rational treatment choice for herself. But on that form, the box that was left unchecked was um, is likely to cause serious harm to others. 
I feel like if you are likely, if you can hurt yourself, you also can hurt someone else. You just need to immediately check that box. Uh, well, and it makes you wonder if they had checked that box, would she yep. have been treated differently than... I th- she absolutely would have been treated differently. And, and yeah, maybe none of this would have ever happened. There's so many things that, you know, could have prevented this tragedy. Every time we do something like this, it's like a shit show of... of the 95 things you could have, have done, done to prevent. And they all are like, why did you not do that? Right. I don't know. I don't know. I on, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it is, it is girl. It is. Well, Yates was prescribed a different cocktail by Saeed, um, than what star branch had, a, you know, given her a while back, which was the held all remember in the mm-hmm. other drug. Well, um, this drug uh, concoction was Effexor Wellbutrin Restoral. Restoril. Restoril. So, and that's apparently for insomnia. Um, and then Tylenol and Mylanta. And I, I guess maybe the Tylenol for aches and pains. I don't know when the Mylanta for maybe, maybe those drugs were, you know, hard on your yeah. her stomach. Um, the treatment plan anticipated hospitalization. Um, no longer uh, than April 12th, 2001. The next day, Rusty explained to Andrea that unless she committed herself for treatment at Devereaux, she would be committed to Austin State Hospital, formerly known as the State um, Lunatic Asylum by Saeed and Croak. Because those, remember, those are the two doctors that petitioned to have her committed. Um, she was she finally relented and signed herself over for treatment at Devereaux and Dr. Saeed withdrew his petition for her to be committed. So throughout the 12 days in the hospital, Andrea showed very little improvement. She was pretty much silent and sat still, although sometimes she would pace, you know, back and forth going from one extreme to the next. And she drank only and sure um, when coaxed by her husband and was pretty much mute during group therapy sessions. She received visits from her family and children and watched videos on ways to cope with chronic pain, um, you know, other than with chemicals. On day eight, Saeed documented that she was, um, she denied having um, any suicidal thoughts and actually ate some solid food. But the next day she was just back to refusing breakfast again. So she's just flip-flopping back and forth. It was on April 11th that Saeed wrote up her discharge papers though. And, um, you know, for her to go home on April 12th, both Rusty and Andrea's mother were shocked Yeah, because just 10 days ago. Yeah. Just 10 days ago, you know, she is sick enough to be committed to a state hospital um, and now she's being sent home with Andrea signing on the dotted line to commit to take her medications um, consistently and agreeing not to hurt herself and continue outpatient therapy at the hospital, which, you know, Andrea then after being, you know, picked up by her husband, um, her husband told Rusty she was going, wasn't going even back to therapy. So, I mean, her all along, she's not planning to fix herself. Um and, and really, those outpatient therapy sessions were more for people with substance abuse. So how was that even supposed to help her? Yeah. Rusty. Um, fail. Right. So Rusty called the admitting nurse and told him that she wouldn't be coming back for therapy. 
Um, the file was later updated to show that Andrea was fully discharged from the program. So off she's off she is. <laughs> so on April 20th, Andrea taking a higher dose of Effexor as prescribed by Dr. Saeed, she was seen more depressed, you know, then than when she had left the hospital. And Rusty had inquired about the Haldol and told Saeed to reach out to Andrea's previous psychiatrist, which was Dr. Starbranch, to discuss, you know, the drug success, that concoction of Haldol and the other one. Well, instead, Dr. Saeed just prescribed more Effexor, which isn't helping. Well, on May 3rd, Andrea grows worse. She begins pacing, staying in front standing in front of the TV and staring for as long as 45 minutes. And she's gazing into space for sometimes upwards to three hours and was withdrawn and non-communicative. She was witnessed by Rusty's mom walking in circles as many as 30 times, just around and around. And she spoke in monosyllables and couldn't remember to feed her children at lunch. I mean, the woman is completely broken. She is just flat out broken. Yeah. She is. She's. I don't have a word. She is a hot mess. She's. I can't imagine what's going on in her head. I don't know. Um, Andrea and Rusty's oldest, um, Noah, um, noticed his mother filling the tub with water and told his grandmother. When Dora, which is Rusty's mom, asked why she was filling the tub, Andrea answered, in case I need it. It was the next day that she sat in a chair at Dr. Saeed's um, office, nearly catatonic, catatonic, when Rusty asked if he should readmit his wife to Devereaux, to which the doctor actually agreed. Um, Devereaux Hospital was an an affordable psychiatric facility. However, what people didn't know were the amount of complaints filed against the facility with the Texas Department of Health and Human Services between September 1, 1996 and August 31st, 1999. In three of the 11 records reviewed, psychosocial evaluations were performed by non-licensed master social workers and unqualified mental health professionals. Right. In one of eight records, the psychiatric evaluation was missing. In another case, a director failed to monitor the staff. One patient had committed suicide by hanging himself with a bed sheet while on suicide watch. Jeez. You had one job. I know. Oh. <laughs> Can I borrow this bed sheet? <laughs> he had been dead at least five hours before his body was discovered. Now... If you knew these things, would you take your wife? I mean, he didn't know that. He, didn't know, uh, he yeah. didn't know that. But can you imagine? I Talk about your lawsuit here. I mean, give me a break. I hope whoever is is still alive is a rich motherfucker. It's insane. Well, to top it all off, Saeed never contacted Dr. Starbranch as Rusty had requested and never asked to have her medical records sent over. He did, however, relent and prescribe Andrea two milligrams of Haldol per day at, in quotes, in quotes, this was in her chart, at the husband's request on May 4th. And I just want to ask here, if it's normal to put in a patient's chart that a 
doctor prescribed a drug at the request of a non-medical professional. What? I'm just... I'm sorry. Carrie requested it, so we're just going to go ahead and give it to her. I'm sorry, but why would you follow you, the advice of your husband? I mean, I, I and not request the medical records. I do not understand that. Okay, so I'm sorry. That's also in my soapbox, but... um. At the top, um, on top of the Haldol, um, we've got Andrea. She's still acting crazy. Um, and the concoction of the drugs that Saeed had prescribed at that time were not working. Period. Even with the Haldol at this point. Because it's only two milligrams. Remi remember, she was taking 100 milligrams of right, Haldol right. before. Two milligrams isn't going to do jack shit. So, it was not until May 9th, six weeks after... Yates had become Saeed's patient, that he was finally urged to, you know, get Yates's records from Star Branch's office. So six weeks has gone by. This poor lady has been suffering. And uh, I think I'll I think I'll reach out to the psychiatrist now. And of course, within those records is where Dr. Starbranch Branch had documented um, the whole Haldol treatment. However, at this point, once, you know, we could all argue that it's too late. It's, it's beyond help at this point. She is so messed up in the head that I don't know what it would take to get her right again. Andrea stayed in Devereaux for two weekends during which Rusty attended family group therapy sessions with her. And while there, Rusty felt like the se sessions were very helpful. Andrea would begin the session by saying, Andrea Yates depression and then remained silent for two hours while that whole session lasted. She was finally discharged 11 days later and referred once again to the post care program for chemical dependency, which once again is not going to help her. So throughout June, Rusty spoke off and on to Dr. Saeed about Andrea's progress, to which he reported that she was about 65% of her normal capacity. And I just want to remind everybody that 65 is still an F, but continue. And I, I can't imagine. <laughs> okay, I got 65% of my wife right here. Like, what? <laughs> nope. It's not good enough. In Rusty's opinion, Andrea had plateaued after being on Haldol after one month. And um, Dr. Saeed, though, felt like Haldol was impending her progress and asked her, you know, to taper off. It was on June 18th that Rusty told Saeed that Andrea was declining and was very concerned. But Saeed did not want to put Andrea back on Haldol yet. And he, um, but he didn't prescribe anything to, as a substitute. Like any kind of antipsychotic drug as any substitute. We're just going to take you off the Haldol and not give you anything else. This guy is one of the ones who didn't have his degree. He said it was um, a bad medicine, referring to the Haldol. And um, the side effects were horrible. And would later testify that he didn't find any... Side effects of drug versus side effects of no drug. Thank you, of psychotic. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't get that. I, I mean, I know that. what the results are now, so I'm like, <laughs> come on. Just take the damn medicine. Yeah. Um, but he would later testify that he didn't find any evidence that psychosis was playing an important role in Andrea Yates' life. Again. Are I you think, fucking he, kidding me? He literally did not. He was one of the ones that did not have his life. Who is this guy? I know. I'm just, I, I want to look him up and punch him in the face. Yeah. You're stupid. 
talk about stupid. Um, Saeed stayed on course, adding 15 milligrams of Remeron, which treats major depression, and left her on the Effexor, but at a smaller dose, which for anyone who's ever taken antidepressants, and you don't gradually, you know, step down with the medication, going from one high dose to a low dose is going to fuck you up. Um, And you will be sicker than a dog. Um, I firsthand experience. I took a, oh my God, I took, I can't remember the name of it, but it was awful. I was laid up on the couch at our old office and somebody had to drive me home because I was so sick. Yeah. It's awful. So Andrea now was operating on straight, quote unquote, rocket fuel. Um, which was a term some psychiatrists gave to the combination of antidepressants, Effexor, and Remeron. Andrea had been without an antipsychotic medication for two whole weeks at this point. In combination, remember that Andrea had been and still was struggling, struggling with her salvation, you know, with Jesus and God, which Rusty had told doctors, you know, some of this information, but it went ignored. Um, and according to the... Okay, see, now Rusty's yeah. acting like he should be acting. Oh, definitely. But it's... it's. So, yeah, I go back to my, he's stupid. <laughs> dumber than dirt. I was wondering if he had some sort of ulterior plan. Or no, whatever. I don't think so. I think he's just... Yeah. Dumb. And maybe it's not dumb. He's ignorant. That's you know, better. They're, That's they're, better, yeah. He's ignorant. He's a weenie. <clears throat> he's You're spineless. an ignorant weenie, man. And according to Warneckies, um, or to the Warneckies, you know, the two of them, Andrea's window of opportunity to be saved was quickly dwindling. To top it off, Andrea felt she had drew, was doomed because she had been, and her parents were still Catholics. And she had asked the Warneckies to send her parents literature about the, you know, how horrible Catholics were that would hopefully persuade them to you know, renounce Catholicism. Hmm. But this is, I mean, the Warnackies are effing crazy in my opinion. Um, And, and, you know, Andrea's mind being very feeble, nimble, whatever you want to call it, you know, she ate up this crazy shit that the (laughs) Warnackies preached. So, um, as Andrea's grasp on reality took a nosedive, again, one of the last things she focused on and probably obsessed over was a poem written by the Warneckies. I'm going to read it. Modern Mother Worldly. Modern Mother Worldly was very, very lazy. All her children drove her crazy. The Bible told her to spank and train them, but society said she must never constrain them. The fruit of rebellion she now see. On the day of judgment, she will have no plea. Modern Mother Worldly cast in hell now what becomes of the children of such a jezebel <laughs> i think this is another one that warrants a punch in the face is that not a horrible poem it's terrible well and i'm i'm i get that it rhymes but i mean what <laughs> i'm trying to understand and di- depict it or you know what what does it mean i'm really bad with poetry too so i don't i, I mean yeah, she didn't train her children right is basically what it boils down to. And 
now she's like, okay, she now basically is mocking her. Everything, you know, she's right. giving her shit. Saying the, that the lazy she's mother. Right. She knows she already has issues. She doesn't think she's a good mother. And so it just Kids proves crazy. And yep. now she's a Jezebel. Now she's a Jezebel. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you change it to a Jezebel from your kids being bad, but whatever. Well, on June 20th, 2001, a little before 10 a.m., Rusty's cell phone rings in the sixth floor NASA building where he worked. Not even an hour had passed since he had left Andrea home with the kids. She had been sitting at the kitchen table eating pop corn pops out of the box box and he had given her 300 milligram dose of her effexor antidepressant in the previous night a 45 milligram dose of the rimeron with a 15 milligram rimeron booster rusty's mother um who was helping out at the house um was due over to help with the kids any minute he was preparing for a presentation that he had to give at 10 30 a.m Well, when Rusty picks up the phone, it was Andrea telling him he needed to come home. So Rusty says, what's wrong? Andrea says, it's time. Rusty, what do you mean? And Andrea says, it's time. Rusty, of course, runs to his car, only showing, um, only slowing down, you know, to call his mother to say, are you at the damn house? Um, when are you going to be there? Well, then he calls Andrea back because Rusty's mom was like, I'm on the way. I'll be there in a little bit. Well, Rusty says, is anyone hurt? To which Andrea says, yes. Rusty says, who? Well, the kids. What do you mean the kids? Which ones? Andrea says, well, all of them. What Rusty didn't know was that at 9.48 a.m., which was eight minutes before Andrea had called Rusty, she had called 911. And I find the 911 call so very chilling because it just kind of puts in perspective what Andrea's brain function was at this point. Like, it's very minimal. Um, And her voice was very monotone, and there were multiple periods of silence where the operator is asking for a response, and Andrea just doesn't answer. So I'm going to read what the um, 911 call um, between her and the operator. Andrea calls. She says, I need a police officer. Well, what's the matter? I just need him to come. I need to know why they are coming. Is your husband there? No. What's the problem? I need him to come. I need to know why they are coming. Is he standing next to you? Are you having a disturbance? Are you ill or what? Andrea says, yes, I'm ill. What kind of medical problems? You need an ambulance? No, I need a police officer. Do you need an ambulance? No, send an ambulance. Hello, is someone burglarizing burglarizing your house? Andrea says, no. What is it? What kind of medical problem are you having? Are you at 942 Beachcomber Drive? Yes. Are you there alone? Yes. Andrea Yates? Yes. Is your husband there? No, I'm sick. How are you sick? Andrea Yates, is your husband there? No. Why do you need a policeman, ma'am? I just need him to be here. For what? I just need him to come. 
The 911 operator by now knew something was wrong, but her mind went to a better wife because she's yeah. not really talking. And that's probably what I would have thought too. You know, thinking that somebody's standing beside Andrea or, you know, Rusty's standing right there. So Andrea says, no, my kids are here. How old are your children? Five, seven, three, two, and six months. You have five children? Yes. Okay, we'll send an officer over. Thank you. So, the fact that, and I have to laugh a little bit because they, the uh, operator's like, okay, you have five children? Well, yeah, okay. Well, then no doubt. <laughs> Clearly you need an ambulance. Well, minutes later, Officer David Knapp with the Houston Police um, Force met a wet, stringy-haired Andrea at the door. Officer Knapp asked Andrea why she needed the police. Her reply was simply, I killed my kids. This poor guy thinking he's walking into some damn domestic dispute, and this bitch done killed the entire. I done killed all of my children. (laughs) I mean, oh, I know. He's like, shit, honey, I can't meet you for lunch. A king size mattress, mattress, and box spring sat on the floor, and on top, under a blanket, sat four lumps. Knapp thought at first the head he saw poking out from underneath the blanket was a doll, but the child's head was warm to the touch. In the bathroom, he discovered the fifth child, Noah, who was floating face down with no pulse in the tub surrounded by fecal matter. Andrea sat quietly on the love seat in the living room, patiently waiting on the officer as he called his supervisor. Nine minutes after Knapp had entered the Yates' home, Sergeant David Sfon, a patrol officer um, and supervisor with 16 years on the force, arrived. Andrea was promptly arrested and put in handcuffs. Meanwhile, we have Rusty. He's coming home, and he's standing outside pleading to Sfon, what did she do to my kids? Rusty falls to the ground when Sfon told him that all five children had passed away. Rusty could see Andrea on the love seat and began, he began screaming and wanting, you know, her to tell him what she had done to his children. It was around 11 a.m. when Officer Bob King and Officer Douglas Bacon, which, (laughs) how awesome is that? Um, Both homicide, homicide investigators arrived at the crime scene and, started collecting evidence. Upon seeing Andrea, King removed her handcuffs and read, she was read her Miranda rights, to which she said she understood, said yes. She was then driven to the police station for questioning and um, asked to give a sworn statement. The entire way to the station, Andrea was comatose. And once in the interrogation room, Andrea started providing details of the morning to Officer Eric Mill, I think that's how you pronounce his name, um, who was a 12-year veteran of the homicide department. So she's in this room, still kind of wet. I think her hair's nasty, stringy. God only knows when the last time was that she had a bath. This morning when she was... uh... Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, my God, that was awful. (laughs) And you winked when you said it. Guys, she's pure evil. Next episode is on Carrie Simmons. (laughs) Dear God. I feel proud about that. I I was going to say, it took you a minute. Oh, God, we are are completely morbid. 
Well, she starts explaining how immediately after Rusty left that morning, she had gone to the guest bathroom and she fills it up the tub about three inches from the top. She didn't answer the officer when he asked why she was going to drown the children. So he asked, was it because they had done something wrong? And Andrea says no. He then asked how long had she been having thoughts about wanting to drown her children. Her reply was simple. Uh, Probably since I realized I have not been a good mother to them, was her reply. Um, She explains that they weren't developing properly. They They had behavioral problems and learning problems. And she had started with Paul. So what they called Paul Perfect Paul because he was so well-behaved and um, he was just one of the most compliant children. And he was only three. She grabbed him and held him face down in the tub. He struggled a few minutes until there was no more movement. She then picked him up, placed him face up on the bed, and covered him with a sheet. Andrea then said she went after Luke, who was two, When in fact, she had gone after John, but no one would know this until months later. Um, She picked up Luke, put him face down in the tub, drowned him, and then placed him on the bed alongside Paul. She then called for John. And when he came in, she told him to get in the tub when he wouldn't. Andrea picked him up, put him face down in the water as she violently as he violently struggled to get free. Now, this poor kid is only, he's five. Um, Luke is is two, and you had Paul that was three. Um, and so she's going to the oldest at this point. Um, she then took him, you know, uh, John to the bed, put him alongside the other two. Um, and I'm sorry, she's she does marry next. I jumped to the oldest, but she she takes Mary. And poor Mary, she had been in the bathroom the entire time. This is the infant, right? Yeah. And she had seen all three of her brothers being drowned by her mother. So she's sitting on the floor crying. She's six months old. She struggled with her mother for a few minutes and then took a few more minutes to drown. She was face down in the tub. Well, Mary is left laying face down floating in the tub. Andrea then calls her oldest son, Noah. Noah walks into the bathroom and asks, you know, what happened to Mary? Andrea, not answering, grabs her seven-year-old son, and he slips through her fingers So and started running because he's like, fuck you. You're not catching me. Well, she unfortunately was quicker than Noah and was able to snatch him up before he made it out into the hallway. And Noah fought his mother hard, but Andrea was able to overcome him, and she put him face down in the tub and held him underwater several minutes. Andrea tried, not hard though, hard, to explain that it was time for her to be punished for not being a good mother and that the criminal justice system needed to handle her. It was decided very early on that Andrea's defense team would be attempting to use the insanity defense. You think? Yeah, I think that probably makes the most sense. This one is one that I'm like, legit. Yeah, well. Insanity case. They filed for a notification on July 30th, 2001. Rusty was able to secure a prominent lawyer by the name of George Parnum. He had once trained for the priesthood, um, but was then thrust into the national spotlight due to, to his defense for Andrea. 
Uh, George felt like Andrea qualified as insane, but the state, he felt like the state may not see it that way. Well, that state's got problems too. Well, Andrea knew that killing her children was wrong, but she was convinced she had done it to save them. She had told a psychiatrist that she was indeed Satan and deserved to be punished by George W. Bush, (laughs) which is funny. I think the rules for what defines you as an insane person are messed up. Yeah. Oh, 100%. They need to be be reevaluated. But the fact that she knew that what she had done was wrong would ultimately cause issue with labeling her as insane. I don't care that... I don't care. She's still insane. You know, that's the part that I... No, I agree. With this much support, supporting evidence... Yep. I mean, you might know that eating and drinking is good for your body, but she didn't do that shit either. Right. No, I agree. So, yeah, that's why I'm saying it just needs to be... I think every... It needs to be... Yeah, Yeah. it needs to reevaluate. Well, it's old. Some of the rules are so old. And the more we know about mental health, I feel like it can be... You know, we could do people better justice. Oh, yeah. Warren Eckie also took the opportunity to publicly shame Rusty for Andrea's actions. Of course. He believed that Andrea drowned her children because she hated Rusty. He stated, quote, it was deep and intense. She had told me on several occasions of her intense hatred for Rusty. She pleaded for an answer on how to live with him. She despised him. Matters concerning God had absolutely nothing to do with any of it. All of the Christian rhetoric by her and the media was nothing more than a smokescreen to cover her true motive. End quote. That guy is crazy, too. That guy is a crazy... If you look him up, he's freaking crazy. Him, his wife, and his kids. They're all fucking nuts. Well, on September 18, 2001, Andrea's competency hearing began. Rusty was fully behind his wife and spoke publicly about his support for her. He visited Andrea twice a week, talking to her through a glass partition. Andrea, on the other hand, didn't understand why Rusty wanted to see her or how he could even forgive her. She had been given medication while in jail and was able to think a little bit clearer at this point. So, I mean, she's wondering what the hell. Um, For Rusty, the person who drowned his wife was not, or drowned his kids was not his wife. Um, Her mind was sick and he compared it to him having a heart attack while driving the children and he being the only one that survived. I don't know that those two are the same. I mean, I get where he's going. I get it, but nope. But. Yep. Cause her, his response is, you know, would you be upset with me well, if I killed the kids and I was sick? You were sick. It's not the same. It's definitely in my head. It's not the same. But. Yeah. He, he's saying, yeah, I get what he's saying. He, he truly believes that it's not her fault. It's her Right. Yeah. Well, Andrea, at the time of the drowning, thought her children were going to hell, that Satan was going to get her, telling her to kill the children. Her only option to save them was to kill them. They were innocent enough that by drowning them now, she might be able to get them up to heaven. Quote, God might take them up, end quote. Given all the information, on September 22nd, 2001, the jury just after eight hours of deliberation, felt that Andrea did know right from wrong and declared her competent enough to stand trial. Mm. Which, in my opinion, I think yours is, too, they got that completely wrong. Absolutely. Completely wrong. Well, her actual trial, the state's case against 
Andrea Yates began on February 18, 2002. She was being prosecuted for the murders of Mary, Noah, and John. And only the three, because should, you know, the state's case go south and she not actually get convicted, they planned on prosecuting her for Paul and Smart. Luke's death. Yep. Um, in that case. So this is like the Salem witch trials over here. I oh, I know. Like. <laughs> Isn't it weird? Yeah. I know. There were over 200 visitors in the courtroom that morning for jury selection. Andrea had her hair combed um, and was seated at the defense table in a long sleeve white turtleneck skirt and gray green jumper. She appeared to comprehend what was being said. Reporters were saying, though, the bath cut, we're calling it the bathtub killings trial. In the newspapers, um, that's what they printed, and I guess on radio shows, but um, Andrea pled... I don't remember seeing it. I don't remember yet. either, um, but, I mean, it was it was early on. It was very early on. I think I was... Yeah, it was in my early 20s. We were in our I early 20s. I mean, I 20s. remember it, yep. but I don't remember... But it's so, it was so far away. Sometimes yeah. we get it over here. It's like, woman who kills, drowns five kids. Right, and you don't get it Yeah. two months later, but... Um, Andrea did plead not guilty. Um, among the witnesses were Rusty, his mother, Deborah, and Andrea's mother. Um, amongst a million other witnesses, obviously. Rusty at this time had delusions, um, which tell, this tells me why he's stupid. Because um, he had delusions that Andrea would be found not guilty. And once she had become successfully treated in a mental health facility... He and his wife would go on to have more children. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. He is, uh, he's clearly kind either like a putz. Crazy feeding crazy. Living, yeah, living in some fantasy land with rose-colored glasses on, you know, the whole time. This whole time. Or he just loves her. I don't know. Like, I mean, can you be that kind of crazy in love with somebody? I mean, I remember what she looked like. They weren't very attractive people. Well, I think she made herself look extremely homely because she didn't take care of herself. There's like a glamour shot of her. Um, and I put that one on our website. It's, I mean, she's not an ugly woman. Um, but, I mean, not taking care of yourself. I mean, come on. You've seen me when my hair looks like absolute dog shit. No makeup on. And... Oh, shut the fuck up, Chrissy. We're not talking. I'm just saying, everybody, <laughs> everybody can look bad. I... She looked worse. I... Because didn't she, she was, didn't care for herself. I didn't think she was... Attractive? If I'm remembering the right person. Neither I mean, one of them I didn't think they were. Anyway, I guess it's irrelevant. He looks like a putz. She looks like she could have done some with herself and been attractive. But, just my opinion. She looked very homely to me. Oh. Even yeah. in the pictures where it was, well, I don't know if she was depressed at the time. She was very homely. Homely woman. Yeah. The glamour shot looks good. Like, I haven't seen the glamour <laughs> shot. I'm cool with the glamour shot. Um, well, anyway, he's an idiot. So, George Parnum, <laughs> Andrea's attorney, presented evidence um, or opinion, one could argue, that Andrea was not in her right mind when she drowned all five of her children. Because even though she couldn't plead, you know, the insanity defense, um, you could still say that she was not in her right mind. I mean, they have a ton of evidence, evidence right? Right. He was. Um, he also presented evidence of the medication that she was taking, which did not, um, or sorry, did help support her mental state, that she was not stable. Um, Parnum presented um, also evidence that Dr. Saeed didn't prescribe the Haldol cocktail that Dr. Starbranch had given Andrea, um, which 
she had had after Luke and become better, you know, she had gotten better. Um, video footage of Andrea explaining why she drowned her children was presented <clears throat> to the jury as well. Once again, Andrea explained that her children were not on a path of righteousness. Um, she also said that they were, you know, still young enough that God would take them up. If she had waited, you know, in that she had that very small window of opportunity that the Warrenekis consistently reminded her about. Um, Those are the ones that I feel like need to be. Oh, they need to be punched. Yes. The children would have gone to hell um, had she not taken that small window of opportunity. She felt that her punishment should be executed or should be execution, even though she felt she was doing the right thing by them. A psychiatrist for the prosecution, Dr. Park Dietz on the stand gave his formal diagnosis for Andrea, which was a schizoaffective disorder disorder with severe depression with schizophrenic symptoms. And if that doesn't say that you're out of your mind, I don't know what does. And that's the prosecution psychiatrist. Unfortunately, though, um, even though that was the prosecution psychiatrist saying that she's not in her right head, the jury... Um, disagreed with her. And um, they understood that she was ill. Um, but because the court had not declared her, declared her um, insane, they handed over a guilty verdict in less than four hours, which is really sad. Um, during the sentence phase, the jury took pity on Andrea, and only after 35 minutes of deliberation, they sentenced her to life in prison rather than death because they, you know, the prosecution felt like she needs to die. Yeah. Well, in August of 2004, while Andrea was in prison, uh, Rusty filed for divorce, stating that he had not lived with Andrea as a husband and wife since the murders. He was later granted a divorce in March of 2005. Um, he went on to date his now ex-wife, Laura Arnold. They got married on March 25th, 2006, and she filed for divorce in 2015. Um, but they do have one son. I don't think I would date anybody who had that kind of past. Yes. I'm That's a lot of baggage. son right now. Judging McJudger. I would not date anybody. I, I, I don't Crazy. know that I would date anybody. I'd just maybe not tell them about what happened. No, I mean, if I, well... You know what I'm I mean? Sure it was big enough in the news where. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, I guess I it mean, would have been a long I'm time. Sneaky. I I search yeah. people that I'm aware. You know, so I would nah, too much, dude. Yeah, I gotta go. No, I agree. Um, yeah, but if I was him, I wouldn't tell anybody. Oh well, hell no, I wouldn't be telling anybody. Be like, um, Yates, Andrew. I, I don't know what you're talking about. First time yeah. I've ever been married. No. <laughs> <laughs> On January 6, 2005, the Texas Court of Appeals reversed the conviction um, of Andrea because a California psychiatrist, remember Dr. Park Dietz, who um, is the one who gave her that schizophrenic mm -hmm. um, diagnosis, he admitted he had given materially false testimony, testimony during the trial. In his testimony, he had stated that shortly before the murders, an episode of Law and Order had aired featuring a woman who drowned her children and was later acquitted of the murder by reason of insanity. Well, that episode actually did not exist, um, which makes you wonder, like, how did he think that shit up? Isn't that crazy? But anyway, um, it wasn't until two years after the... Um, trial was over that uh law and order um, made an episode 
called Magnific Magnificat. Is that what it is? It's like Magnificat, which is so weird. Anyway, either oh, that or yeah, I don't. It's I don't know, but anyway, it's about a mother and she drowned her kids in the tub, and it was loosely ba based off of Andrea's trial or case rather. But again, didn't air until later. Later, um, after the trial. Well, the appellate uh, court held. Um, they were unanimous with the jury um, and, and believed that his testimony actually did and could have caused people to sway um, their Absolutely. decision. So they decided a new trial was necessary. So on January 9, 2006, <clears throat> Yates again entered pleas of not guilty by reason of insanity. On February 1st, 2006, she was granted released on bail um, on the condition that she be admitted to a mental health treatment facility. Well, on July 26, 2006, after three days of deliberation, Yates was found uh, not guilty by reason of insanity, um, as defined by the state of Texas. She was thereafter committed to the North Texas State Hospital in Vernon Campus, which is you know, in Texas. And then on January, 2007, she was moved to the Kerrville state hospital, which is a low security mental facility in Kerrville, Texas. And although psychiatrists for both Texas state prosecutors and her defense lawyers agreed that she was severely mental ill with one of several psychotic diseases at the time she killed her children, the state of Texas asserted that she was, by legal definition, aware enough to judge her actions as right or wrong, despite her mental defect. The prosecution further implied spousal, spousal revenge as motive for the killings, despite the conclusion of defense experts that there was no evidence to support such a motive. Which, I mean, that's what they went on, which is ridiculous. Although the original jury believed she was legally aware of her actions, they, dis they disagreed that her motive was spousal revenge. because it, Yeah, she's crazy. Yeah, I, I just don't think the evidence lends itself to say that she was... She hated Rusty at all. Yeah. If anything, she was just compliant. Yeah. Um, today, Andrea's residence is still at the Kerrville State Hospital, where the court has jurisdiction over her for as long as her sentence would have been, which was for the rest of her life. Yates waives her appearance for review every year, um, and passing the review would be the only way Andrea... Um, could ever be released. Well, thank God. Well, I mean, she knows she's sick. Yeah. Um, not to mention, she I'd be terrified that somebody would kill me because they knew what well, I had done. I was thinking she's probably well enough now <clears throat> and and so pain, you know, hurt. Hurt. That she's well, quote yeah. unquote, with the medication. Medication. Yep. She, I'm sure, I, I can't imagine what that's like either. I know. Well, I was going to say, I think the worst part about it would be, okay, yes, I did this to my kids and not the right mind. And now that I'm well, I have to come with the terms that I killed my children. And then at what point do I forgive myself enough or whatever right. to allow, to trust me to be in society to again. Not do this again? No, that's... Because I don't think she's ever going to go back. No, would you? No, no, I mean from whatever mental state. I think she's, whatever break she's had, oh, she's got to be heavily medicated for. Oh, most definitely. This is just me picking up on what, what, what we just talked yeah, about. Right. 
It, it's, it's like, well, I think one schizophrenia is mm-hmm. once you're there for the rest of your life, you have on to, those yeah. drugs. Well, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what takes to make you normal. No, but a lot of, a lot of people in that, who are on those types of drugs, they start to feel good. They're like, I don't need, Oh, them. I don't, I don't need them anymore. Them. Yeah. No. I, yeah. That's, I think that's with any drug sometimes. I think she's doing the right thing by saying there's really, or by, by consciously going yep. to her appeals or whatever. Yep. Yep to be reviewed and who knows what me hell she doesn't have anybody left she probably just killed herself if she got out well i think um I, I saw an interview that rusty yates it was after he divorced his second wife and he was talking about his kid and you know it's hard because while he does love his son very much he also remembers the children you know that were drowned and mm-hmm. you know what they may have been like and that's you got to live with that every damn day and oh yeah, I can't imagine the whole living family, with that. Kids, but I mean, he apparently still talks to her. They still talk, and they, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I have to say though, I mean, and I don't know because I'm not in those shoes, but I mean, you love somebody, and it's just they had a mental break, they did something awful, but does it stop you from loving them? Is it the cutoff point where you're like, I don't love you anymore? Yeah, I think I think for me it would be, it would be painful. Oh sure. But yeah, you kill my kids, we're done. We're done. I promise I won't do that <laughs> intentionally. I'm kidding. Intentionally. No, I just thought it was a very important subject because oh, yeah. I think women's mental health, especially um, after you know having children, it's not talked about enough. It's not. Um, you don't see commercials about it. You don't see, you know, help, you know, and I I think if you're going through that, you know, you need to reach out to somebody help. There is help. And that, well, they did when I had Charles and Chandler, you probably remember this too, but I remember there was a bunch of pamphlets that they give you when you leave the hospital. Of course you guys, you get so much shit when you (laughs) You, you leave with so many things. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was just a real quick blip. Like, uh, Here's this pamphlet for this. Move on to the next one. There yeah, one. it's not. Yeah, you're not counseled about it when you leave the hospital. You know, and I, I think at least I don't remember that. And no, I was I wasn't. But I was only in there the one time. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was in there three times for three kids, and I don't remember that. Um, I was a little concerned after I had you know my middle son that I would have postpartum depression with with Catherine, and I I guess I went through a little bit, but it wasn't as extreme. Um, I got lucky. But I, um, you know, it, it's tough. I had a friend that it was bad. Well, it was very bad. Spoke out about it. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then Tom Cruise said how stupid it was. And it was just a, a you know, something yeah. women. I want to punch that little fucker. Yeah. I hate that guy. Tom Cruise, if you're listening, I hate you. Tom Cruise, if you're listening, email us. Sassmacob.com. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. At Carrie. <laughs> But I th- again, I, I did this case because one, it is macabre, but um, and it and it's definitely morbid at that. It's horrible. It's very depressing. But like I said, I I, we love. I thought that it's a very important subject to bring to light. And so um, I thank you guys for listening. Um, I am in Boston next weekend. Oh yeah. For, um, yep. So yay for me. It's gonna be well, should be interesting. I'm going to see a friend. Um, and so I will be up there until Monday. Oh, cool. Friday to Monday. It's a short trip. 
Well, it's like an hour away when you or an hour and a half trip when you fly out of Charlotte. So. Oh yeah, it's not far. Well, it's, I'm yeah, I haven't decided whether going Charlotte or Columbia. It all depends, um, but I'll see. We'll yeah. see how it goes. So um, I, it, the only thing about Columbia and everybody bitches, you know, because if we leave from Columbia, then you know you're you're liable or could miss your flight back. Something's always delayed. At a Charlotte. At a, yes, or well, even Logan, is, and I'm like, ugh, gotta fucking, oh, well, so I, that I mean, sucks. If you, the good thing about shit being delayed in Charlotte, you can get a rental and be home in two hours. Oh, yeah. No, you can call me. I'm going to get you in come two Come get my damn ass. Yeah, no, uh, it should be fun, though. Don't check a bag. Oh, uh, God, I know I get yelled at all the time for checking a bag. I just need another suitcase, a smaller one. Yeah, you do. I know, but I like that big one. It's awesome. Yeah. Anyway. So, all right, guys. All right. Um, so we will record not Sunday. So we'll talk about it. I may post no, this Sunday. We'll be recording next Sunday. I'm in Boston. Oh shit! We'll have to either record before or after I get back. Okay. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll either way. You'll get your episode. Don't worry. <laughs> I don't think exactly. we have anybody beating down our door. I could be wrong. Right. Um, you guys, uh, let us know what you think. Um, send us an email, stasmacob at stasmacob.com. Like us and follow us on Facebook. Give us four stars, five stars. Give us some kind of star. All the stars. Give us all the stars. And, um, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. We um, look forward to – I don't know where I was going with that. I got to – I don't know. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I'm, just, I'm just looking at her and just waiting on her to hang herself. It's hilarious. I got nothing. I was trying to sign off, think of something cool. And I'm all like, oh, guys. yeah, I'm not cool. <laughs> We check us out Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those things, email, all the socials. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.